Okay, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 3 today. In chapter 3, we're going to be looking at the fall of mankind. And if you've been following in chapters 1 and 2, uh, you will have heard bits and pieces of this chapter in regards to, to why we see what we do today. And it's always funny to hear people say that uh, I got this from my mom or my dad when it comes to certain problems. I have my dad's nasty temper or I have my mom's stubborn pride or maybe vice versa. And we like to point fingers at those close to us for our issues and downfalls. But in the truth, in reality, we, we never recognize the original cause of things. See, everything has a root. Whether it be a, a mighty oak tree to a thorn-covered stinkweed, it came up due to a root system. So when you are growing a garden, it's good to know what a weed amongst uh, flowers looks like because the weed will choke out your garden. Now, do we develop traits from parents is the question. And yes, we even look like them in, in ways, which is it's a proof of DNA, which is uh, the funny uh, thing is, is I'm naming, titling this message, Darkness in Our DNA. But we always want to point the finger at, at, a, uh, at a human source. See, what we're going to see today is the beginning of blame between mankind. And have you ever said to mom or, or dad, this is your fault, why I'm the way I am? But yet at times we never really considered where maybe they have their problems from as well. I hope that uh, this will uh, show us different where we're going to see uh, the true cause of, of why we have the problems we do. See, I have no idea who the first person to do drugs on earth was, but I know who caused it. All it took was one person to take drugs, and now millions are hooked and dying around the world. And this is why we have doctrine from God. We, we can't tell a crooked line unless we know what a straight one is supposed to look like. And I thank God for his word. He reveals the poison of sin, but he, he gives the antidote, which is our Lord and Savior. And what we're going to look at today is, is chapter 3 again from the beginning. And um, it's, really, it's really an interesting insight. Okay, a lot of people who have studied the Bible for many years know this. And, and, and to those who have never heard the Bible before, you know, I want you to pay close attention to this. Because again, this is the root. This is the root system of why you see the problems you do today. This is why, this is the root of what you see when you turn on the news on the television, when you read your newspaper. It all started thousands of years ago. So let's take a look. If you have a Bible, uh, Genesis chapter 3 we're going to be. And again, if you're looking at the media, on the uh, media page of the website, there is a Bible section where you can actually follow along on the screen with a Bible. And as always, I read from a New King James version. So if you want to read along with my version, I'm in the New King James. Uh, but there's also, again, there's numerous versions uh, on the actual system that you can click on whichever v version you want to see. So right now we're going to be uh, looking at uh, Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through, uh, 1 through 4. And it says, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the, of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. Okay, so who he's talking about here is, an, is Eve. Uh, Adam was created first, and then God seen uh, a helpmate 
that Adam was in need of, and he created Eve. So we don't know where Adam was. Adam was somewhere out doing something, and Eve was by herself. So here comes Satan in the form of a serpent. So Satan is inhabiting in the garden, and and was able to come into the form of a serpent, a very attractive one, which is what the what, which is what those in the world really fall prey to is attractive outer beauty. And it's amazing to know how much money people pay for a Lamborghini, yet it has very short lifespan in the mechanical department. And I, I find it interesting that nowhere in Scripture uh, did we see Adam having conversation with the animals back and forth. Yet the serpent was able to speak to Eve, which seemed to have no concern on her part. But again, that shows the ability of Satan, which, which should show us that by conversing with him, it will lead to eternal destruction. Now, because it starts with the serpent, I'm, I'm going to elaborate a little bit about, uh, about him, because I, as I said in chapter 1, when people ask what's wrong with the world today, we have the answer right here in chapter 3. Satan the devil, as some like to call him, was, uh, was once one of the most beautiful and powerful angels in heaven. His name was actually Lucifer, which means uh, angel of light, or bringer of light. Okay? So he is not the, he's not the cartoon figure with horns and a tail and a pitchfork. Right? Some of the best scripture on, on the presence of Lucifer at the time, when now he's known as Satan, uh, as his, uh, as, and his past as an angel can be seen in Ezekiel number, uh, chapter 28 and Isaiah 14. Uh, those two chapters give a very good, uh, uh, detailed inscription on what his actual physical presence looked like. And he, he thought that he could be equal with God. Uh, Isaiah shows what's called the five eyes of Satan. On, on how he was going to dethrone uh, God and, and sit above, and, and which is what Satan said. Now, what had happened was is that he was cast out of heaven with a third of the angels who he caused to follow him. Now, th there's no exact number. Uh, just a third of heaven is what was said. It, it could be an astronomical number, though. We have really no idea on exact numbers. But a third of heaven went down with him. Now, there's not enough time to get into the things of Satan, but I, I will say, if, if you want to learn about his ways and how to keep from him, uh, the Bible is your most reliable source. Okay, Not from literature of people and their personal opinions, but from the factual evidence of the Bible. There's a lot of, there's a lot of material out there you could buy at a bookstore uh, when it comes to certain things about the devil and, and miscellaneous other things. Okay, and, and, and sometimes those things could be very questionable. And, and your, your best bet of, of knowing anything about him and your safest bet would be to, to, to look at that in scripture on how he works and what he's done. Rather than looking at the subjective uh, literature that, that a man or a woman wrote and, and now it's being published uh, millions worldwide and people are buying this stuff left and right. The, the Bible is the standard. Okay, So Eve at this time was innocent. Uh, there was no sin, there was no wrong in her or Adam until the disobedience. Adam leaves the area and now shows up the serpent. See, he, see, he sees when opportunity is good. If you've ever read the Gospels, okay, Jesus fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. And on the last day of the fast, okay, who shows up to tempt him and to follow him? It was Satan. His ways haven't changed from the beginning. Okay, Peter says in, his, in Peter's epistle, he says that Satan is like a roaring lion looking for prey. 
Now, as for people, we are no match against him outside of Christ. But he will try anything. If Satan was able to, uh, to go and try to tempt Jesus into following him, you could only imagine what he's willing to do. And, and if, you, if you look at today, what we're seeing today, we're in 2016, we can see the destruction that's going on everywhere. Well, again, the source comes from what we're reading. It comes easily from what we're reading here. And so that's, that's, the, that's the scary part. That is the most scariest of all of it. And, and so, again, we, we want to make sure that we know what it is that we're looking at. We want to know what it is that we're looking at in them. So, again, let's look, take a look here in verse 5. For God knows that in the day you eat of, uh, of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Hmm. Verse 5 really said a lot from Satan. So it says, it says in verse 1, the serpent was more cunning. Again, in, in, in the Gospels, Jesus told his disciples to be as wise as serpents, but gentle as doves, as they are, uh, as they are sent amongst wolves. The importance of knowing what God says and then obeying it is vital to life on earth and to eternity. Now, Eve, if you notice, said to Satan, God said not to touch the fruit. Yet what he said was, you are not to eat of it. When Satan sees a, a, a minister uh, or a misinterpretation of God's word, he jumps on, on it, which is why there's so much opinionated false teaching, which is Satan's handiwork. You will not surely die, Satan said. Well, we can see today and through time uh, that that wasn't true because of this, uh, because of this funeral business and morticians. Uh, they have the highest job security. And, 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 and non-stop revenue through recessions, but, uh, but again, Satan's doing. This is all from Satan's doing. God created a much better place in eternity for those who receive him. Now, for Satan to be successful in what he did, he had to bring in a little truth into the conversation. Your eyes will be open. That's it. The rest of it was deception. That is the one thing Satan was right about. Yes, your eyes will be open to things, but everything else was false. Satan, Satan uh, said, did God really say that? Okay, he questions the word of God and the authority of his word. And again, when I look at, at false teachers, one of the things I've seen is, is they give half-truths. Uh, they will quote some scripture and then make into it whatever they want it to be. And thousands, if not millions, take to heart what is said, just like Eve did. You will be just like him, he said, if you eat this fruit. Satan thought that he, that he, uh, that he could and was, and, and was cast out of heaven. Uh, for anyone to believe that they are God in any form are, are closer to Satan than they realize. God is not the author of confusion. That would be Satan who's the author of confusion. What's interesting about names in the Bible is that people lived up to their names. Satan's name stands for adversary or deceiver. Jesus' name is Yahshua in Hebrew, meaning God saves. Question is, is who do you want to follow? A savior or a deceiver? It's, it's because of this incident, which is why we have, or, or why we need doctrine. Okay, that, that, that God gave us. It's why there was laws, prophecy, the need of wisdom literature, okay? It's an, it's an instrument of living and guiding our way to God, as this was the reason you read the news and see what you see around the world and, and in your local community. So again, there was the source. 
We had Satan who was the source of all of this from the beginning of time on earth to what we see today. Let's take a look at verse 6 through 13. So when the woman saw that the tree was uh, was good for food, that it was pleasant to her eye, to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to, to Adam and said to him, Where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? Then the man said, The woman whom you gave to be, to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I ate. And the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. It's funny growing up, you hear, you hear the phrase, See no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil. We see that, uh, that first seeing the evil, the attractive serpent, and the forbidden fruit, which looked very appealing. And then hearing of evil, the serpent questioning the very instruction of God. And then third, then speak no evil, which after the fall we see blame coming out of the mouths of Adam and Eve. Uh, over the years I've heard uh, a lot of people, again, the finger pointing between men and women. See, if it weren't for Adam, or, or, look, at, or look at Eve, she was the root of all this. We can, we can stand back and look at ourselves and realize that you're, we're doing the same exact thing they did. Uh, a lot of us want to, uh, again, we want to blame Adam and Eve. And a lot of us guys are quick to blame Eve, and a lot of the women are very quick to blame Adam. And so if you really look at what was done here, we can see the relation in that DNA. Eve gave in to the temptation and then talked Adam into it. But he knew, okay, he knew what, what he was doing and blatantly went for it. After eating it, he most, he most likely realized more than anything what he had done, which is an inner punishment that shocks the system and knowing that there's no turning back time now. Second, knowing that, that you are the destructive uh, cause for all the human race could not make for a good night's sleep either. If you ever done anything, you'd know exactly what I'm talking about here. If you've ever done anything wrong that has caused a form of, de of destruction in one's life, we can relate, because there's not one on the face of the earth that does not have sin in their DNA. Jesus himself said that if anybody says that they're without sin, then they deceive themselves. And if somebody is saying that, they're not just deceiving themselves, but they're also deceiving others. People would ask if, if, the, tree was, uh, if the tree was so destructive, why even put it in the garden? Which is an interesting question. But we know that God created us with a free will. And I think more than anything, the, the deeper question is, why did Satan, when he was Lucifer, do what he did in heaven of all places? That is, a more, that is a more questionable thing to me. One of the most beautiful of angels in the presence of God, in, in God's kingdom and glory, coming out and thinking such things and doing such things, is more questionable to me than... Putting a, putting a tree in the garden 
that, that was that was uh, that God said not to eat of. Well, the first the first cause was done in heaven when Satan got thrown out. Now it's obvious that God created us and angels with a free will. Uh, the last thing anyone wants is a phony relationship. How much more so with God, of course. It affects him. He, he states his grief through the Bible when, when his children go astray from him. But as, as we see in verse 8 and 9, God walked through the garden. Okay, He was there amongst them. Uh, which unfortunately, we don't see him around here like that after the fall. We don't hear of God walking in the face of the earth anymore. There was a time when God walked in the garden there with Adam and Eve. And that would have been a sight to see. But after that, we've never heard of any other time where God could walk amongst the earth. With the exception of a glimpse that he showed Moses. But he even told Moses that you could not see me in my full glory because it would literally kill you. And that could be seen during the time of Exodus. But he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Most, uh, the most nicest part of the afternoon, most likely. Uh, Moses was told by God in Exodus the same thing, right? You cannot see me on earth. What a, and what a shame. It's interesting how things changed for us since then. So God calls out for Adam and Eve, where are you? Where are you guys? Now that's interesting because God knows all things. I think what he looks for in us, or in fact I know what he looks for in us, because nothing is hidden from his sight. But what he does look for in us is, is the fact that, we're, that we'd be able to uh, confess what it was that we did. Because there is absolutely nothing that could be hidden from him. And I'm assuming that after the, after the eating of the fruit, maybe they forgot of this. Let's take a look at verse 14. So, the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed more than all the cattle, and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go, and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. To the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your, your husband, and he shall rule over you. And then to Adam, he said, Because you have heeded the voice of your wife, and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat of it, cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you, and you shall eat of the herb of the field. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for dust you are, and to the dust you shall return. To cut this in half between the punishment... First, first it is spoken to Satan. He was the original cause. He did cause this first. So the first thing he says is it looks as if the serpent walked and possibly had, had legs at this time. And now it's crawling on its belly, breathing dust, which is, a, which is really a sign of defeat. Uh, if you know anything about snakes, they, they shed their skin often um, as well, which causes, it causes them a temporary blindness during the process. And then sometimes it could last for a while. So whenever a snake sheds its skin, its, its skin sheds over its eyes, and it cannot see for a certain period of time. 
the, the snake's uh, senses are done by its tongue, which is how it smells. Okay, so it's breathing the dust and, and, and having to smell with its tongue. But the, the snake's blind during the, uh, the shedding of its skin. And this was God's way of showing Satan that defeat was in his destiny. Enmity, enmity, enmity between you and the woman was placed, which is a meaning of fear or despising. Okay, most women I know do not like snakes. And again, uh, so we see the scripture to be true in this with women. Most, most will stay clear as they should. Okay, most of them. I do know some that don't mind them, so they're probably a rare, uh, a rare occasion. But for the most part, most women and a lot of guys do not like snakes. Uh, as of the nature of them, right? You can, I've said for a long time that you can devenomize, uh, the poisonous ones and you can even remove their fangs, but they're, they'll still bite you or crush you if they're constrictors. Though it's just the, the the nature of that wretched beast. It don't matter. You can devenomize them. You can pull the fangs out. They're still gonna they're still gonna bite you. And the doom is in the crushing of his head, of the Savior's heel, which is also mentioned in the New Testament scripture. Second, he addresses Adam and Eve, uh, the pain of childbirth as well as of the pains of raising children that will be seen in chapter four of Genesis. Okay, second, the desire for your husband uh, ruling over you. And this has to be a huge challenge in households. Uh, throughout the Bible and New Testament, it has, met, it has mentioned the order in the house. So we're seeing here again the root of all things here. Right? And if you look at it, Satan really, uh, really gave an example up there. If you can remember your time as a teenager, or you can remember your kids as teenagers... Teenagers really did not want to live under the authority of the father. Well, we kind of see where that nature came from as well. Satan didn't want to live under the authority of the father, even though he was under the roof and his kingdom, if you want to call it that. And when we've developed the trait, we didn't want to follow the rules because we, in our own minds, or, or, or a child knows better. And that's exactly what Satan was. It's it's funny to be uh, to be like little infants, okay? An infant will allow somebody to to carry them safely in their father's arms. They find comfort, but as soon as they get a little older, they want to squirm out of the arms of the father and, and they want to run in their own direction. So we see that if you've ever had children, you can see how this how this kind of goes hand in hand. And this was the, this was the curse. This was the curse between man and woman. It was chaos in the household. God puts man the head of the house, but the biggest challenge is rebellion. God said, because you have heeded the voice of your wife, you will have to toil the ground. So a lot of us can look at this and say, well, thank you, Adam. Thanks for all this. And, and I've done, again, I've done landscaping for years. And trust me, when I'm dealing with weeds in the summertime, Adam is on my mind. But because of this, that dust is, is where we will go. Our bodies will pass away. This was the cause. Like, like God said, from the dust you came, from the dust you will return. And when Adam looked, it was, and when Adam looked, it was enjoyment. He, when he worked, it was enjoyment. Everything he looked at, everything he seen, everything he was working on was in pure enjoyment. Now, now it's not. God's creation was absolutely perfect. It was blissful as we read this. We, we cannot even fathom uh, what their sinless lives were like because all we know is, is uh, dissension, pain, right? Things we see in the households daily. 
We wouldn't see divorce lawyers if it weren't for this. We wouldn't see some of the most horrible divisions in the household if it wasn't for this. And again, why, why we have Scripture... Okay, why we have scriptures, it, it, it helps detour the things if we choose to follow and obey. But it doesn't come easy. Christians go through the same exact problems and battles as anybody else. But, but for the believer, it's harder because of the inner battle that, that we, we don't want to give into the world as others have. It's just easier for them to give in. So when you follow God, and when you make that decision... The problems don't go away. It just makes it for an inner struggle. More of an inner struggle because we don't want to give into it to where others have no problems with it. And I think that had to have been a hard part for Adam and Eve as well because they at one point were the only humans on earth did not, that, that had no sin in them until they ate of the fruit. As for us, we could not know what that's like until... We're in heaven and with our Lord. That is the only time we will be without sin. But our time on earth here, we, we cannot relate to what Adam and Eve had gone through. It would almost have to be like uh, a newborn child being uh, doused with, with ice water for the first time. It, it would be a very shocking feel. And that's what had to have had, happened to Adam and Eve. Is that they had, they knew perfection, they knew they knew beauty, they knew all of the things of the Lord, and now they had to transition into a change that was not a likable change. Let's look at verse twenty to twenty-four. And Adam called his wife uh, name Eve, because she was the mother of all living. Also for Adam and his wife, the Lord God made tunics of skin and clothed them. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us, to know good and evil. And, and now, lest he put out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent to him out of the garden of Eden to till the ground from which he was taken. So he drove out the man and, and he placed cherubim at the east of the Garden of Eden and a flaming sword which turned every way to guard the way of the Tree of Life. And that is the end of chapter 3. A cherubim is a, is a powerful angel. It was a guardian of sorts, which, which exactly what was Satan uh, when, when he was in heaven as Lucifer. Isaiah chapter 14 explains who he was. He called Satan a mighty cherubim, a mighty and beautiful one. But because of all this, uh, there was a sacrifice involved. A tunic of skin was made from an animal, which later on in the Bible we will see sacrifices being done for the atonement of sin. Now, people have asked, uh, over, over time people would ask, especially kids, but a lot of people would ask, why, why such a horrific way of atonement? And the answer is simple. In God's eyes, sin was horrific. So the atonement for it had to be as well. Imagine having an innocent animal that you would have to kill for your own doing of sin. Now, God fixed that issue 2,000 years ago with a once-and-for-all sacrifice, which was Christ Jesus. The animals were unwilling, and they were also unknowing. But, Christ was willing, and he was all-knowing what was to come. Adam, at this time, uh, names Eve the mother of all living. Now, God making them uh, leave the garden and putting a cherubim to guard it shows uh, the all-knowing wisdom of God. 
now that they are now that they ate from the from the one tree they were done, uh, they were prone to do it again now how often have you done something blatantly wrong and continue to do it and I've said it before, you know, the, the famous wet paint sign on the wooden bench, it always seems to attract the curiosity. Some end up uh, staining their clothes, saying, I should have obeyed the sign. God made known that they knew the difference of good and evil. So he protected them from more harm, is what he did. By, by putting that cherubim in the garden, he had to protect them from more harm. And we have no idea to this day where that tree is or where, or where it's existed at. After the flood, which we're going to get to in a few chapters, there was a flood to come, so we don't know what's what. But all we know is that there was a tree there, which probably could have worsened things if they decided to eat, which they were very prone to now. Now, the, the hardest pill to swallow from reading all of this is, is seeing how true it is exposing our very problems. Okay, They blamed each other, uh, tried making excuses. And, and it's sad to see that, that, that God used to walk in the garden amongst them, and he no longer does due to sin. And that was the beginning of time. But again, through Christ Jesus, we have access to God. He made known that there is no, that there is no hiding from him. The hope in seeing this is realizing that his ways are better than ours. That is the only way that we can ever see God in that recognition. See, for the men... We, we might be the man of the house, but we're not the one over the house. If God is not over the house, it's not a house. It's not, better yet, it's not a home. There's a saying that people like to say, it, it is what it is. Well, that's accepting the status quo when we say that. The Bible and our personal relationship with God is our safety zone. Now, are you willing to take preventative action or just accept the ways of evil by saying it is what it is? And if you want the preventative source, and if you want to see God and be with Him for all eternity, there's only one way to do so. And that's accepting, that's accepting the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. He took all of this upon Him. Okay, from the very first time Adam and Eve, when he took, when they ate of this fruit, everything went downhill. And everything seemed to escalate. It seemed like more and more sins started to, uh, started to creep up more and more. And in today's day and age, we're just becoming more and more bold with it. What was once shameful years ago is no longer a big deal. And that again is like like the serpent is it's like a blinding session of, of of shedding skin over our eyes. And there's only again there's only one access. And I thank the Lord that He sent His only begotten Son because we no longer have to go through the atonement that had to be done years ago due to the sacrifice that came two thousand years ago. And even though we live in the days we do, and even though we, we see the things we do, and we say to ourselves, man, we live in a horrible time, we have to keep in mind that, that thank you, Lord, that, that he came and chose us. And thank you, Lord, that he came and did what he did for us. By dying on a cross for our sins. The only one who was ever perfect on the face of this earth walked, walked on this earth for 33 years to show us the way and died for our transgressions. And he did it willingly. But it was part of God's plan.
Now, if you are listening, and if you feel the Holy Spirit speaking to you, you don't want to resist because it's the most important decision that you will ever make in your life. There's no important decisions anymore on the stock markets. We cannot rely on, on, on real estate sales. We can't rely on our jobs. The only thing we could rely on is what was done for us in Christ Jesus and where we're going when it's all said and done. So I want to invite you, if you feel led, to receive the salvation of, of our Lord. And you can do that by praying after me. Dear God, please forgive me, Lord. Please forgive me of all my sins. Father, I confess to you, Lord, that I am a sinner. And I ask of you, Lord, to cleanse me and wash me now, Lord. Father, I receive you in my heart, Lord. I receive you as my Lord and my Savior. And Lord, I want to be one of your children. Lord, I thank you for your grace and for your mercy. I thank you for the sacrifice of our Lord and Savior, Jesus. And Lord, I ask that you would receive me now, Lord. Father, I love you. I praise you, Lord. And I am now yours in Jesus' precious name. Amen. And as always, I would love to hear from you. Prayer requests, emails, letting me know if you did receive the Lord. It is always a blessing to know that that every time somebody receives the Lord, the Bible says that all of heaven rejoices. And all it takes is one. So I pray that, that this has reached you where you're at. And I pray that most of all that, that it's going to reach you into his presence. So God bless you. And may he keep you and watch over you. And I thank you again for listening to A Voice in the Distance. God bless you.